for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. And this morning's topic really is why are we doing this series? So today I'm going to talk about why acts. Well, I think that this is a timely message, a timely series for us as a church community. We're approaching a new term. I always think there's two points to the start of, you, you kind of have two starts to the year every year. You have January and you have September. Because of schools, you know, it's like the start of a new academic year. And so you feel like it's the, something fresh about coming back to church together in September. And so it's, it's a new season for us as a church over the next few months. And we, as we've just heard this morning, we're going to have a new season of new community groups, uh, a new alpha course starting. And we've also now established these two meetings in two different places. We think back at January, we weren't in this position. So we're in a new season together as a church. And so I think that there's a real opportunity this term before us to take the gospel to the lives of those around us. It was just what Pete and Fran were talking about a moment ago. I came across this quote this week from a, a church leader called Mark Sayers, who leads a church in Melbourne, Australia. And he said this, if we can be a church of fire and form, influential for the kingdom rather than influenced by the world, we find ourselves presented with a phenomenal opportunity. And we want Gateway Church to be a church of fire and form. And that does sound a little bit jargony, and it kind of is. But at the same time, actually, I think there's something really, really provoking about that. So when, when we talk about fire and form, what's he kind of saying? Well, I think the fire part means that we want to be a people who are confident in our understanding of the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives. We want to be confident in the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives and confidence that when we go, the Holy Spirit is going with us. His presence, God's presence, is with us. And when we talk about form, when Mark Sayers talks about form, I think we're talking about being shaped well. Not just shaped well as individuals, but shaped well as a church. Allowing the gospel to mould us, to shape us, to change us, to make us more like Jesus. So that both as individuals and as a church community, we're fit for purpose. We're fit to be used by God in whatever way he, he wants to. And I'd also add to all of this as well, that actually I think that with this, there's a, there's a sense of being confident in the gospel message. Confident in the gospel message. Not being scared by the shifts and changes in our culture, but rather seeing the changes as opportunities to see the kingdom of God come in the world around us. We want to be a people of boldness. We want to step out in boldness. We want you to go to your job this week and feel like you're empowered to be able to speak about Jesus and live for Jesus and be confident in that because you've got the Holy Spirit working in your life. And this boldness and this, this confidence is at the heart of what we want to embed in the church over the next 12 weeks. We want to see you grow in that confidence and both partaking in the kingdom and carrying it and sharing it with other people. I'll say this at the outset. Kingdom advance, and we're going to talk about kingdom advance a lot, and gospel advance, that's the advance of Jesus' rule and reign into every situation, isn't consigned to history. So it's not just consigned to this book that we're going to read. It's not just consigned to Acts. And it's not just for other people as well. I think sometimes we can think, oh, that's for them, it's not for me. Kingdom advance is for every one of us in this room. Every one of us has kingdom advance, that that's what God wants for your life. God wants you to see the gospel advance in your life. God wants to see the gospel change you, and you see other people change through the gospel as you carry it with you. So it's for us. It's for you, it's for me, it's for today. It's for us as a church, and it's for our town here in Ashford. And the book of Acts is a fantastic book at demonstrating what this kingdom advance really looks like. Because once again, kingdom advance is a little bit of jargon, isn't it? 
But actually, when we read the book of Acts together, we'll see what kingdom advance really looks like. And so my encouragement to you and my prayer for us as a church is that as we get series, we see God's kingdom advance in our own lives. We see God changing us internally, growing us in obedience, growing us in steadfastness, making us more like Jesus and growing our faith as a church for all that God wants to do through us in our lives and the community of Ashford. So the, the rest of my talk today, I'm just going to really kind of just nail down a few things about why we're looking at this and getting get some detail about the book in general. So the, the first point I'm going to make today is this, that the character, characters in Acts demonstrate what living through the kingdom looks like. So when we get to the book of Acts, what we find is, is that actually we see these characters living out a story and they are great examples to us about what living for the kingdom of God looks like. And I would say this, most of the days in our lives are relatively inconsequential, aren't they? Yeah? I was texting somebody yesterday and I asked them how they were getting on. They would say, oh yeah, the, the usual. It's going, going the usual, that's just how it's going. Most of the time that we live, it's inconsequential. One day kind of rolls into another, rolls into another, and before you know it, you, you're, you're at the end of the week. We plod or we meander through each day with nothing much changing. But there are certain days in our lives when things happen and the course of our direction of our life starts to change. And they can be positive or negative. These events are things that either we have no control over. And so sometimes those events can be negative. So, for example, maybe you lose your job or you have an accident or, or you, you lose a family member. And those things are really negative and they can be harmful to us. And they can take a long time to recover from. And they change the course of our life as a result. And at other times, actually, the things are positive and they're things that we've instigated. So, for example, maybe we go and get a new job or we actually able to pass a course that we've been studying for or something fantastic happens in our lives, like we get married to one another. John and Margaret, congratulations. There are moments, there are days in our lives where the course of our lives change. And the course of you, your, your lives changed yesterday, didn't they, as you, as, you, as you tied the knot. It's a defining moment when something like that happens. And so there are t times in our lives when everything kind of goes as normal and we are what I like to call the plod. You're in the plod, you're just cracking on with it. But then there are those days, there are those moments when something happens to us that changes everything for us. And actually, I think that where you start, where we can start with Acts, where we start with the message of Acts is actually back in Matthew. And it's a parable of Jesus from Matthew 13. And he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then with his, in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and he bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had bought that pearl. Now, parables are linked. They're linked together, but they've got a key difference. In one, the man finds the treasure by accident and in the other, the merchant is searching for the pearls. So in one, we have this, this, this uh, character who finds this treasure hidden in the field. Maybe he's just digging in this field and he finds it by accident. And in the other, we have a merchant who's intently looking for this treasure. He's intently looking for this pearl, but they find it. But the outcome is the same for both of these characters in these stories that Jesus tells. Their destinies are changed. Their whole life gets changed as a result of what they find. For the moments for the finder and the searcher change the course of their lives forever. And Acts is a book about a group of people who have found that treasure. They've found the pearl of great price. They've discovered that treasure. They've discovered the kingdom of God. 
And their whole lives are changed as a result of it. Acts charts the course of the lives of these disciples of Jesus as they strategically go and tell the nations about what they've found, about what they've heard, about what they've been a witness to. The treasure they've discovered, the kingdom of God. Its effects are so life-altering, so fundamentally important, that they give up everything they have to tell the world around them. And in Acts, we learn what the kingdom of God looks like through their stories. And their story is a remarkable story. Just read the book of Acts, and I really encourage you to do that as we go through the preaching series. Spend some time reading it. It'll probably take you an hour or so to go through the book. If you're slower, you might want to do it over a few evenings. Their story is a remarkable story. So there's, you know, the the start of the gospel of Acts, sorry, the book of Acts, we have 120 people gathering, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And then by the end of the book of Acts, the whole of the Roman Empire has been touched with the message of the gospel. The whole of the Roman Empire has had some impact hit it with the, the gospel message. Thousands have come to faith. Churches have been planted. Leaders have raised up. All in one generation's lifetime. All in the generation of those people who met Jesus. And it all started with a handful of faithful followers of Jesus. It's an incredible story. The story of Acts is continuing in our lives today. It continues today. And so my second point this morning is this, that Acts is a history of the early church and an example of how we should live today, how we should do church today. Because the danger is when we read a book in the Bible, we kind of go, okay, that's how it was then. And you don't actually then start to apply it to your own life today. What we believe about the book of Acts is that it's a history book. It tells us the history, but it also then demonstrates how we should do it. It shows us how we should build church. It shows us how we should live in a Christ-centered community. It shows us how we should live gospel-centered lives. So it's both a history of how churches were started and how the first church disciples were trained, but it's also informative to us about how we can build church today. As we read Acts together, we see how Peter, Paul and others bore witness to the kingdom. And that should start to take a root in our own lives. It starts to change something in us, start to speak to us. Some would say that Acts concludes the Gospels. Some would say it's kind of like a conclusion to the Gospels. And in fact, Acts is effectively the second part of the Gospel of Luke. So Luke wrote both Acts and the Gospel of Luke. And they flow into one another. So if you read the start of Acts and the end of Luke, you'll find some overlap there. And he's writing to a, a guy called Theophilus. And Theophilus is most likely Luke's patron. He's, he's basically asked him to write to him. And the purpose of what we see from Luke 1 verse 4 is that, it, it, for Luke writing to Theophilus, is that Theophilus may know the certainty of what he has been taught. Theophilus may know the certainty of the gospel. So Luke is writing to confirm the truth of the gospel which Theophilus has believed and put down a chain of events as a record for him. And the division of Luke and Acts into separate volumes could well just be down to writing space. So, actually, the whole of Luke took up a whole papyrus scroll, and the whole of Acts took up a whole papyrus scroll. So, Luke's then forced to write them on two separate documents. But we can see them as one thing. And so, when we read that verse in Luke 1 verse 4 about that, that Theophilus may know the certainty of the gospel that he's been taught, that he's, that he's received, actually, we could apply that to Acts as well. And we could say, actually, the book of Acts... It's to demonstrate to us that we can have certainty in the gospel. We can be certain of it. We can believe it with our whole hearts because we know that it's true. You see, the gospel isn't, sorry, the gospel story doesn't just end with Jesus' ascension to heaven. The gospel story doesn't just end at the end of Acts in Acts 28 as Paul is in Rome. But it actually continues in our lives today. 
The gospel story is a story that didn't just finish with Jesus, but it has continued with his church. The message the apostles received and took to the corners of the Roman Empire is now alive and at work within us. You and I carry the kingdom of God. That's what we're taught in the Bible. So as we study through Acts together, my prayer is just like Theophilus, we grow in our certainty of what the gospel says and what the gospel is. We grow in our confidence of the message that we carry. The, the book itself is divided into a range of sub-stories, but we could define it as having three main sections. These sections demonstrate the prophecy of Jesus in Acts 1 verse 8. And Jesus, and you'll probably know this verse, and it sums up really the whole book of Acts. Jesus says this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And actually what you then find is in the book of Acts is that the, the story is split up around demonstrating that what Jesus says comes to pass. And so we could split up the book of Acts in this way. Chapters 1 to 7, the church gets established in Jerusalem. Chapters 8 to 12, the church grows to Judea and Samaria. And Peter has a vision of a sheet descending from heaven with different types of food on it and then takes the gospel to the Gentiles because up until that point, only the Jews had been, become Christians. And so what we see in chapters 8 to 12 is the, the church goes to Judea and Samaria. And then in chapters 13 to 28, we, we, it kind of flips and we see the story of Paul as Paul is converted to faith in Christ. He's been a, a, a Christ hater and he ends up becoming a Christ follower. And we see the church not only go to Judea and Samaria, but to the end of their known world through the ministry of Paul and others. And so we see in the book of Acts what comes to pass from the prophecy of Jesus. And the way that the book's been structured is to demonstrate that to us. Throughout the book, we see a body that is constantly in movement. We don't read of disciples stuck in a rut in Jerusalem. We, we see them pushing on doors constantly throughout the book. of the, the book. We see them flipping negative circumstances into positive ones. We see them listening to the Holy Spirit in order to see the gospel spread. So these people are active in their faith. They're not passive. They don't go, oh, the Jerusalem church is 300 now. Let's just leave it as it is. We don't need to tell anybody else. It's, no, 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 we must tell as many people as possible about what Jesus has done in our lives. The church is never static, but it is constantly reaching out and going. The disciples, empowered with the Holy Spirit's presence, go to share their message with the nations. If we begin to see Ashford as our Jerusalem, I wonder what the next 10 years could look like for us as a church. As we build a strong church here, and that's our aim, we want to build a strong church here. Strong in, in numbers, strong in depth of understanding, strong in discipleship, strong in following Jesus. We want to build a strong church. And I imagine if we do that, and as we do that, as we focus on our Jerusalem, actually what will ha happen is we won't just end up touching Jerusalem, but we'll end up touching our Judea, our Samaria, and we'll end up touching the ends of the earth. And I think we've done that already as a church. So look back in our history over the, the, the last 18 years of our journey and, you know, We've, we've seen churches planted, for example, down into Tenterton. Steve and Bridget Bree, I met up with Steve a couple of weeks ago. They're out in Brussels planting church there. We support Helen and, and the Clears as they do mission out in other parts of the world. We've this summer sent our youth over on a mission trip out to Romania. In these things and more, as a church community, people from our body have gone out and they've touched the ends of the earth with the gospel. And we believe and we're confident that as we carry on building a strong church here, the result of that will be that the nations are touched with the gospel of Jesus. Because the thing is, we're all called to be, and this is my third point today, we're all called to be Acts people. You, me, every one of us, 
there's a song there somewhere. We're all called to be Acts people. It's not just for the book of Acts, but it's for you and me. And you might be sitting here there right now, as I've said about those people who've gone out and done things. I'm not like the clears. I'm never going to go and be on a mercy ship. I'm not like the breeze. I'm never going to move all my stuff and go and live in Belgium. God's never going to use me in that way. Likewise, you also might just be scared of sharing your faith in the situation you're in at the moment. Maybe you're concerned about what they might say if you talk about your faith. Maybe you're worried about how your views are different from our culture's views and you'd rather not say anything to, to, out of fear. Maybe you'd rather just keep your faith personal for fear of being uncovered as a Christian. Well, look, let me just point you to the story of Peter because part of his story is the first nine chapters of the book that we're going to be reading together. And I think it's actually, I think this story will demonstrate something to you about what God could do through you. So Peter, well, we know with Peter, his story starts out in the Gospels. He's a fisherman. And in fact, when he starts to get up and preach the gospel later on in Acts, they, they are surprised at what he says because it says that he's uneducated and common. So this guy, Peter, he's just an uneducated commoner, a fisherman. He's just earning his trade. He was an, he was an everyday sort of bloke who one day bumps into Jesus while he's working. And his whole life changes in that instant. It's that he accidentally stumbles across a treasure hidden in a field. He stumbles on Jesus. Jesus says to him to follow him. So Jesus says, Peter, come follow me. And there's no reason why Peter does actually follow him. Because I, if you came up to me while I was at work and said, come on, follow me, I wouldn't leave everything and follow you. I'd go, where? You know, there's no, there's no kind of question. There's no question in the, in the Gospels at all. Peter doesn't question it at all. He just follows Jesus. <laughs> Haven't you ever thought that's really weird? It's that there's something about Jesus that's so, mag so magnetic that, that Peter just follows him. He leaves everything he has to follow him. There's something about Jesus that is so interesting to Peter that, he, that, that just catches his attention, that he thinks, I'm just going to follow this guy. And he leaves everything he has, and he follows Jesus along with some of his friends. He drops everything. And then Peter goes on this journey with Jesus. He watches him do his ministry. He listens to the, the things that he's saying. He um, hears Jesus talk about the kingdom of God. And, and we see in Matthew 16, he comes to this conclusion that the man he's been following around isn't just another teacher, but he's the son of the living God. He has this revelation of who Jesus is. He realizes that Jesus isn't just a, a, another rabbi teaching some interesting things, but that actually Jesus is the Messiah, the Messiah the Jewish people have been waiting for. But then the story takes a twist and Jesus gets arrested and crucified at the hands of the Jews and the Romans. And they're threatened by the teaching of Jesus. They think that the kingdom that Jesus is talking about is an actual kingdom. And that Jesus is going to turn up and overthrow Rome and overthrow the Jewish nation. And Jesus is going to take over his king. They're threatened by this person who's being called a king. You know, when they nail him to the cross and they call him the king of the Jews. It's sarcastic. Sarcastic. That You see, they're, they're worried about him. And we see then another side to Peter. Peter then withdraws and Peter denies Jesus, doesn't he? Not just once, not just twice, but three times. Peter saves himself because he doesn't want to be seen to know Jesus. He is scared about what's happening around him. And then we have the amazing story of Jesus' resurrection. Mary Magdalene finds Peter. He, she says to him, look, the tomb's empty. So Peter goes and sees the tomb is empty. And then Jesus appears to Peter and you can read at the end of John. Peter and Jesus have this amazing conversation with one another by the lake. Peter's gone back to fishing again. Peter's gone back to his old job. And Jesus finds him. And Jesus 
forgives him for denying him. Jesus instigates him as, as, as a leader within the church. And then we see Peter at the start of Acts waiting in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to descend. And the Holy Spirit comes. And, and all those disciples there experience at Pentecost Jesus, uh, Jesus by his Holy Spirit coming and meeting with them. And then all of a sudden Peter is changed. Peter's whole outlook on life is completely different. He's no longer denying Jesus, but it says that he's the first person to get up and speak about, what, about what's happening. He gets up and proclaims Jesus as Lord. He shows the, the Jews around him that, that actually Jesus is the Messiah by showing them the Old Testament and saying, look, this is who Jesus is. So Peter goes from denying and hiding to being the first out in the open to say no with boldness. Actually, this Jesus is the Son of God. And then if you carry on reading Acts, you'll see Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, seeing people healed. We see a lame man walking. We're going we're gonna to read about that in a couple of weeks together. And then we see later on in Acts, him in prison and an angel coming in and actually taking him out of prison, actually helping him escape from prison. It's an incredible story. Peter's story is an incredible story. And by the end of his story, he's the leader of the church in Jerusalem in Acts. Peter failed over and over again. If you read Peter's story in the Bible, you will see the amount of times that he makes mistakes. He makes mistake after mistake after mistake, but God has got a purpose for him. From a fisherman to a follower to a leader, his story is remarkable. But you know, it's not just for Peter, it's for you as an individual. It's, you, you need to take hold of this, this series, that God has got a purpose for your life. That God could use you just like he used Peter. God could use you in your circumstances just like he used Peter. Don't discount yourself when you make a mistake. Don't discount yourself when you are too scared to tell that person about Jesus. Just go, actually, do you know what, next time I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit's help. Don't discount yourself. God can use Peter. He can use you. That's the whole point in the story. You know, if God, if God can use a man like Peter, he can use you. He can use you. Seeing Peter in Acts also proves something else to me beyond any shadow of a doubt, any shadow of a doubt in my mind, that Jesus rose again from the dead. He goes from denying Jesus at the crucifixion to laying down his whole life, being prepared to go to prison, being prepared to go to the ends of the earth, everything he has to tell as many people as he could about the fact that he'd seen Jesus alive. So... If Jesus hadn't risen again from the dead, would Peter be like that? No, he wouldn't be. He would have gone back to doing what he did before, which is fishing. But he saw something. He saw Jesus raised to life. You see, Peter had found the, 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 the pearl of great price. That is Jesus and his kingdom. And he'd been forever changed by it. And that should challenge us. The longer we're Christians, the easier it is for us to settle into a lifestyle where church is a place where we go to on a Sunday. You know, it's just a, a place we come to. It's a community where we just do life together. And that's kind of it. So all of your friends are friends from church. All of the community you do is community from church. You go to work in the day, and then in the evening you hang out with Christians, and then you get to the next day again, you go to work. In the evening you hang out with Christians. All of your life is just based around church. But actually, when we see church in Acts, the church in Acts were consumed with going. They were consumed with the kingdom. They were consumed with advancing the gospel. They were consumed with seeing the culture around them changed. They wanted to demonstrate what this kingdom looked like in every way they could. So how did they do that? How did they demonstrate the kingdom in every way they could? Well, we see that they lived differently. They lived differently. They committed to radical lifestyles of generosity, 
and boldness and obedience to God's word. They spoke boldly and with confidence. They knew the message they carried. They weren't scared of it. They weren't frightened of its effect. But they spoke the message with boldness. They looked after the marginalised and the isolated. They loved the broken. Jesus says, people will know you're my disciples when you love one another. They loved one another and they went to the marginalised and the isolated. They loved the broken. Fourthly, they demonstrated what a real community was like. They welcomed everyone whilst they challenged them to follow Jesus. So that they were welcoming of everyone, but they were challenging their lifestyles. Number five, they demonstrated the kingdom through signs and wonders. They saw people healed, set free and raised to life. They worked together strategically to to reach new places with the gospel. We see their faith is active. It touches individuals. It plants churches. It reaches nations. And if you read the Bible, there is nothing. There's There's not a single page in the Bible that will tell you that our experience should be any different from that today. There's not a page in the Bible that says that actually our experience and what we should experience of church should be any different from that today. That's what we want to live for as a church. We want to create a church where people follow Jesus in obedience, where people are empowered by the Holy Spirit, where we see God-centered, gospel-focused community, where we see miracles and signs and wonders, where we are loving the marginalized, the broken, the needy, the hurt, and we're seeing them set free. We're seeing them pursue Jesus. We want a church like that because that's the church in Acts. It's not a group of people who are just loving one another, but they're not reaching out. It's both and. And we need to be both and. We're called to do the same. And this is a challenge for us. It's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for you to be Acts people, to be people of Acts. And John Wimber, who started the Vineyard Movement, um, writing on the Pearl of Great Price, he, he wrote about how his, his life story is an incredible one. He was actually really um, involved in the music industry in America before he became a Christian. And he got told by God to lay it all down and follow Jesus. And as he did that, God told him to leave his job completely and he ended up working in a factory. And he says this, reflecting on all of that. He said, we'll be put in situations where others look at us with disdain because of our obedience and sacrifice to God and it doesn't make any sense to them. But for those who have found the pearl of great price, it all makes perfect sense. We know that it is worth everything to follow him, to walk with him, to serve him, to lose our lives for him, It's worth selling everything we own to gain Christ and be found in him. You know, actually, when we we meet Jesus, when we find out the kingdom, when we discover it, when we discover that treasure, actually, it's worth everything. We can give up everything to follow it. And we see from the the, the story of the, the disciples in Acts, as they do that, actually, God just breathes on them and blesses them. Just this week, I walked through the Riverside Centre as Jenny Boardman Holmes spoke to the chronic pain group. Now, you didn't see me walk by the back of the room, but as she spoke, I was going, yes, come on, Jenny, like that. Um, Nobody saw me. I looked like an idiot. Tell you what, she was speaking with authority and boldness about how she had met Jesus and how Jesus had changed her. It was, honestly, Jenny, it was incredible. It was incredible. It was so inspired. I was so inspired. Um, I just wish I was more like you. I really do. You prayed in the prayer meeting this morning. And, you know, it's so funny, actually, because I think Pete and Fran said, Lord, would you make us all like Jenny like this? You've just got a heart for the gospel. We all need your heart. We all want to be the same as you, Jenny. You've got it. She isn't. Isn't she an Acts disciple? Yeah, she is. And you're getting a half a clap there as well. Um, Do you know what the outcome of that was? It was incredible. Four people have signed up to do the Alpha course. Isn't it? See, absolutely. Isn't that? Yes. Thank you very much. 
that, we, you know, we're all not going to do it in the same way as Jenny because you're not called to do it in the same way as Jenny. Maybe how you demonstrate the gospel to people is just by loving them. Maybe it's just taking them a bunch of flowers. We saw in that video earlier, just taking around a meal to somebody. Maybe it is praying for them. Maybe you've got a faith gift and you pray for them and they're healed. And you go, oh, I'll tell you about Jesus. Maybe you can speak and you can tell them about Jesus. Or maybe it's just, as Peter and Fran were saying earlier on, it's just inviting them along to the course. You see, Jenny is sold out for Jesus and she is an Acts disciple. And genuinely, her openness challenges me. So my questions to you this morning in closing are this. Are you sold out for the kingdom like the disciples were in Acts? Do you know that you found the pearl of great price? Are you willing to give up everything for it like John Wimber was? Do you seek prioritising Jesus in your life? Or do you put him second, third or fourth down the list? Because I genuinely believe in a church that could change culture. I believe in a church that can change society. I believe that actually the church, our church here and the, the greater church, is the hope of all the world. We are the hope for people around us in Ashford who don't know Jesus. There are people in houses around who just don't know him. And we have the opportunity to take the gospel to them. We have the opportunity to love them with the gospel. We have the opportunity to invite them and welcome them in and show them there's a different way of living. And we can do that as a church. And my encouragement to you this term, and it is an encouragement and an exhortation to you to actually say, actually, I want to go 100% for this. I want to advance the kingdom in my life. I want to advance the, the kingdom with my church. I want to advance the kingdom with my friends across Ashford. So and we're just going to close in prayer. Can I invite the band back up? Um, as we close. Lord Jesus, I, there was that moment with Peter and you said to him, come follow me. And he just left everything and followed you because he'd found the pearl of great price. He'd found you, Jesus. And his whole story changed as a result. And we see in Acts that amazing journey of a man going from just being, uh, being just an everyday ordinary bloke to being somebody who's confident in the message that he's heard and seen and seeing the nations reach for you. Lord Jesus, we want the same for our lives. Lord, we don't want to be content with sticking with the ordinary, but Lord, we want to see the extraordinary happen amongst us. And so, Father, I pray for us as a church community that over the next few months as we go about this series, Lord, would you just fill us with confidence and boldness. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we go about the next few months, Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us for witness in a way we've never done before. Lord, I pray for people in this room who think that they, this, this, is, never, this is not for them. Lord, I pray that even this week you give them opportunities to, to talk about you to somebody. Father, I pray that you would show us that it is for each one of us, that being an Acts disciple, that being a disciple who, who is seeking the kingdom advance is for every one of us in this room. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we want your name to be glorified in Ashford. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you partner with us in extending your kingdom. And Lord Jesus, we pray that over the next few months, Lord, that you would bless us as we do that. Amen. <laughs>